If you're having animals with defects in your herd, these will cause a huge economic cost to the producer. Welcome to Inside the Helix, a podcast presentation from DNA Genetics. Throughout this series, we focus on all things that matter to the pork industry. You'll hear from our award-winning team of geneticists, veterinarians, animal care providers, nutritionists, and other industry-leading experts. We'll explore pig production from genetic improvement all the way to meat quality. Listen along as we take a deep dive inside the DNA Helix. Today we're going to spend some time talking about defects and how we are selecting to reduce those defects. My guest is Dr. Iara Solar Diaz. She's a geneticist here with DNA Genetics. Thanks for joining us today, Iara. Thank you for having me. Iara, you've been with DNA Genetics for how long now? Two years and a half. Two years and a half. So before these two and a half years, how familiar were you with the swine industry? Well, very good question. I actually, I worked for another pig company for two and a half years. And then that was was when I actually got in contact with animal breeding and genetics, specifically with pigs. And the amazing thing on working with pigs is that you can see the genetic gain faster compared to beef cattle, for example, because my entire experience was with beef cattle. So that was an, I got in love to work with pigs. Um, and then right after I went to university to teach and then I'm here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So were you always interested in animal agriculture or production agriculture? You, you mentioned you were on the beef side or is this something that you developed through your education? So when you talk about DNA uh, regarding any kind of species is it's the same basis. So basically you can experience or you can have experience with a lot of species and you will be um, having that kind of background with DNA in any kind of uh, level. So for me, that was my objective. I need to like uh, understand better what DNA can do like in a animal's performance. So I went through beef cattle, sheep, horses, pigs, and chicken. So you would say then your your ultimate background or interest level kind of lies in in the actual genetics. You know, it doesn't really matter the species of livestock or anything like that. It's just the genetics that really excites you. Yeah, the quantitative quantitative genetics, which is yeah. all the crazy equations that you can imagine. Yeah, that's yeah. what I love for sure. Yara, you are originally from Brazil. Talk through your background in regards to how you developed your interest in genetics. Was it something that you learned through high school? Is this something that you, you developed an interest through college or where did this, this foundation occur? Well, that, that's super easy to answer because uh, I can say to you that it was love at first sight. And this actually happened in my last year of college. Um, so I went to the first day of class in animal breeding and genetics. And this professor, he was talking about how can you improve the animal's performance in the environment. So he was talking about feeding, he was talking about facilities, welfare and whatever. And at some point he said, you can improve the animal's performance by changing the DNA of that animal. That was when I got fascinated because in my head, like 
how can you change or how can you improve the DNA from some animal? So then after that day, I was, and I'm still pursuing to learn and to understand all the amazing things that we can do on DNA. So that's why. Then I got the first uh, love. I'm still in love. And that's actually what we're going to spend some time talking about today is, is how we can change that animal for the better, specifically looking at defects, you know, because there's a lot of different defects that can occur. Which ones specifically are we going to be looking at today? So that's a very good point. When we talk about genetic improvement in all the traits that we know that it's very important to the producer and to our customers, defects, it's a huge, important part of that piece, right? So today, uh, and these are the, the defects that we are focusing on in our company right now is we're going to speak about the the main three ones that we have and still are persistent on the pig production, which is going to be the umbilical hernias, scrotal hernias, and cryptorchidism. So now these are obviously problems, and we producers want to avoid these where they can. How detrimental or damaging can these defects be to a producer? I mean, like what kinds of problems can they cause, and, and why do we ultimately want to get these out of our genetic lines and, and out of the, the commercial system? So when we talk about selection um, in any kind of trait, we always, as geneticists, we want to focus on those ones that have economic importance. So these are not different. So when we talk about defects, we need to understand how much our producer is losing um, in the herd on any kind of investment. So if you're having animals with defects in your herd, these will cause a huge economic cost to the producer, not just because those animals are not going to perform the same way that the other ones, but also we need to understand that they're going to be less profitable animals. These animals are not going to have the same carcass values as the one that has a full value peak. And we need to talk about mortality as well. So just as an example, I'm going to give you a very simple one. We can say, okay, I'm just having 3% of my herd has incidences or defects. And I can say, well, that is not too much, 3%. What is 3%? But just consider how much of investments we do in one pick. 3% of all barns alive, right, is going to have, they're going to have defects. So if I multiply $30 per pig on those animals that are going to die or I'm going to receive less money from those, it's a huge impact. So we need to put everything on the equation because at the end of the day, it's not just, it's costing money, it's just not, we are not having all the investments that we put into the pig. Yeah, as you mentioned, you're not getting your full carcass value out of some of these animals. Now, are these defects primarily passed on through genetics? Is this something that, that really is a genetic problem, or is it just kind of a abnormality? Okay. So and, and I guess a, when I say abnormality, yeah. I mean like it, like something that's just a, a rare random occurrence. Right, right. So uh, two things on that. I always receive that kind of question, and this is really important to understand. 
And most of the time when I start to talk about defects uh, for customers or for producers, I like to use this comparison just because it's easy to understand. So as a simple comparison, just think about diabetes in humans, okay? So if you have your parents, let's say your mom or your dad, it ha- both of them, they have diabetes, okay? You will probably have diabetes in your life. However, if you're taking care of your environment, let's say you're a person that is doing exercises every day, you do meditation, you're not a stressed person, and you're eating health, healthy, right? So I'm probably going to say to you that you're not going to develop diabetes in your life because you're taking care of your environment. So if you compare these defects, I'm pretty much the same thing, okay? If they have irritabilities, which they have in our genetic evaluation, for example, uh, these defects, they range from 0.8 to 0.35, which is a moderate to high um, heritability estimates, which allow us to do the selection, even though they're not one, which means to us that there's a huge important effect of the environment. So we need to understand that everything that is related with the performance of the animal, even though that is growth or a defect, 50% or more than 50% is rely on the environment as also as the genetic. Right, right. So it is a kind of a little bit of the, of both of those those things yes. that are that are attributing Correct. to it. And I mean that makes complete sense because I think of all of the times that you know you go in for your annual physical and and you get a lot of the questions of do you have a lot of history of of heart disease or do you have history of of mental health problem? You know all of those kinds of things they ask you and that's that's probably why to kind of see what your likelihood or yeah of course i mean we as a geneticist in our company is putting a lot of efforts in this in these kind of traits because we understand that there is a genetic potential in the herd right but our effort is to decrease as much as possible that genetic potential but the producer also needs to understand that there is another part but of there's the that equation. part there too in yes, the environment correct that's what it is so if we work together, we're going to be fine. You mentioned these these three that, that DNA Genetics is focusing on. Let's talk about those three. I'm, I'm sure producers have probably seen or experienced these three, but talk about how a producer can identify these defects. Identification on this kind of traits, they're the key of the equation. Super important. I mean, to have protocols in your herd, you have the right people Training the right people to identify, that is the key of the equation for these. Why? Because they're very subjective. So for example, I can go to the herd and I see an animal that has some kind of umbilical hernia, but for me, it's gonna be an infection. If you, another person goes to the same animal is gonna say, okay, this is not an infection. This is an umbilical hernia. So it's really subjective. So how can you improve that, right? So you need to be sure to palpate the area surrounding the navial area. So the abdominal inguinal ring, is that closed, is not closed? Uh, how can I do those process better, right? So for cryptorchidis, for example, uh, you can use ultrasound to make sure that testicles are not in an abdomen instead of going to the scrotum. So we have a lot of tools. It's just a matter of have standardized protocols 
and to use in the farm, that is the key of identification in this case. Right, because I mean, one person's hernia could be a cyst in real life, you know, and, and something that's probably not as big of a concern. And are you going to call that animal or are you going to keep it in the herd? Right. And you also, we need to understand that if we don't have an accurate data, that would impact directly our success of the selection process. So how common are defects? You know, is this something that people are seeing a lot or is this something that is getting fewer and far in between? All the hernias, scrotals and umbilicals, they're very common. So these are congenital defects that are common. Following by the um, cryptorchids, these are the second ones. ER, you are a geneticist now, and you mentioned that, that DNA genetics is, is working to reduce the, the occurrence of these defects through genetic selection. What have you and your team worked on in the past to prevent these defects and kind of how has that maybe changed as we're moving into the present and into the future? So our company is putting a lot of effort, as I said before, uh, on those traits. We understand that they're so complex and involves so many things on the producer that we really want to put a lot of our team efforts in doing whatever we can. So in the past, as a company, we were uh, using a fixed threshold. So basically we were using like one value to just classify animals above and below that threshold. And all of those that were below, we were considering not to keep in the herd. So they were having a higher potential genetic to develop those uh, defects. What we are doing the last year, we change, instead of using a fixed threshold, we are using a threshold that is changing every week. So in that case, for example, Every week we are having a group of test animals and that group is going to have an average. Within that group, we change the threshold, which means to us that we are getting accurate values and the selections process is actually more accurate. So we will have more genetic gain. Additionally to that, we are doing a pretty cool thing, which is we are taking tissue samples, genotypes on defects, so animals that present the defects we immediately go and we take tissue sample. So the genotypes now are built on animals that have that those kind of traits, which means to us that our genetic improvement would be even faster and higher than compared to before. And a third thing that we are doing is that, as I said before, the environment plays an important role in this. So in our nucleus herd, we're putting a lot of pressure on protocols on identification because we understand that if we decrease false positives, we're going to have genetic gain. Has DNA genetics been pretty successful then in re dramatically reducing the occurrence of these defects? Yeah, I mean, just you to have an idea, in the last year, we already are able to see to decrease all our genetic trends. And we were able also to decrease our incidence rate in our entire population. And I imagine that this will just continue to improve too, you know, because we're already kind of at this threshold and we're just going to keep getting better and better and better. Yeah. As I said before, like these are too complex. So uh, the main uh, focus right now is to try to understand uh, how many of the environment is going to change our genetic progress. So we are trying right now different tools on how we can adjust everything in our index, in our current index, because... Um, we want to keep animals that are really good in performance, 
but they also need to be very good on not spreading the, the defects on the population. These are the next yeah. steps for sure. And, and as we talked about earlier, genetics is one side of that equation, but then it ultimately kind of depends on, on the, the environment too, as they're getting into the commercial system. Correct. So yeah, the producer, it's the most important part on this, in this equation. I mean, if we understand that if we put things together, the genetics and the environment on these traits, we are going to have genetic progress for sure. So we kind of touched on this some, but where do you go in the future in this field? You know, where do you go in regards to the, the selection for genetic progress against defects? And, and how do you see this evolving over time? Well, um, the main, I think the main objective for the next few years is to trying to find the balance between, um, I want to keep the top percent of the animals uh, for our index, for our traits, the maternal traits, the terminal traits, right? Everything that is related with reproduction, um, performance traits, survival, for example, is the key point, the hot topic on the moment in the, the pig production. So we need to develop a way of putting defects on that equation because I don't want to have traits working in a different directions. You know what I mean? So we want to have an animal that is the best pick for our customer. So that animal needs to survive, uh, needs to also produce a very good carcass quality, but we also want to have those animals not spreading disease or defects in the tire herd. So that, that is the, the main point and our main objective as a team right now. So I guess bottom line then, why should a producer care or why does it matter to them? Yeah, I mean, talking about we need to be very honest because everything that we do in our company is to take care of our customer and what they receive. So the, the final product that they were going to receive, uh, we need to make sure that that product is going to give them, is going to give them like a return of their, their investment. So the producer is, how can I say this? This is most important part of what we think as objective in our animals. So if we think about money and how this plays in a way of we are losing a lot of money with these defects, um, that is the huge impact on the producer. So the bottom line of everything is if it is costing money, we don't want to, we don't want to have that in the herd, right? So as a company, I think we need to be very prepared to give the best pig as we can, because we need to think about economic interest at the end. That is what we want to deliver. Absolutely. Very good information. Thank you very much, Dr. E.R.S. Solar Diaz, a geneticist here with DNA Genetics. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Until next time, I'm Curtis Harms with Inside the Helix. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Helix, presented by DNA Genetics. Inside the Helix is released every other Tuesday and is focused on what matters to the swine industry. To catch up on previous episodes, visit us online at dnaswinegenetics.com or find us at your favorite podcast streaming platforms. You can also keep up with DNA Genetics throughout the year by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For Inside the Helix, I'm Curtis Harms. Thank you.